0: Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride-or-die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Rodgers in trouble. Does he have a vintage moment in him? In the end zone, it is caught for the win! Pressure, pass is picked off, and who?
1: Welcome back to another episode of the Packs, What She Said podcast. I am one of your co-hosts, Maggie Loney, joined as always by Perry Goldstein. And today we are talking about fringe players on the roster and more specifically what those fringe players need to do to make the active roster. So we're talking about the 53-55 man roster, not just the practice squad. These are guys that will be keeping an extra close eye on in training camp, in the preseason, which we will be at live um, when the Packers play the Texans. So, Perry, what's up?
2: Not much. I'm <laughs> excited about this topic. Um, I think, like you said, it's we're looking more at players that like have either been on the 53 or you like, expect to maybe make the 53. This is not like, you know, Jawan Winfrey time, although maybe we'll talk about practice squad players at some point when we have more intel. But this is like... I mean, the first one that comes to mind for me is, like, Jay Sternberger. And no, you think
1: he's that close to being a fringe guy?
2: Here's my thought process. Here's my thought process. So um, my thought process is the Packers have, let's see, how many tight ends on the roster? I should have looked this up before we started recording.
1: It should be seven or eight. One,
2: two, three, four. So, yeah, so they've got Robert Tunyon, pass catcher, also good blocker. Isaac Nada, probably on the fringe, more of an H-back. Mercedes Lewis, solid lock. Branson Cafusi, I don't know what he brings to the table, likely a practice squad player. Josiah Deguara with his own unique skill set coming off an ACL tear. Dominique Daphne, who really showed out last year when given the opportunity. So my thought process with Jace is he's going into year three. He's not a proven pass-catching tight end. He hasn't been a very good blocking tight end, and he's been pretty low down on the depth chart. So, like, where does he fit into this offense? Like, he's going to have to kind of pick a lane and go with it because I think all the other players have proven, like, carved out roles.
1: Yeah, and I mean, it understand why it happened and how it happened, but his two-game suspension isn't going to help his case either. Exactly. It kind of helps the Packers because they can – take like a fourth tight end and then bring him back, you know, a couple weeks into the season. But yeah, to, to start the season already knowing that you can't play the first two games, I think will be a challenge to him. But I, at this point, I think given his draft pedigree and the fact that he does have a little bit of an injury history, the Packers at least have to roll the dice and see what they have in him when he does come back healthy. And I think this will be like a really big preseason for him to see him in more actual game action.
2: Yeah. I, yeah, I guess a third round pick you want to give at least another year to. two, um, but like, is it safe to call this a prove it year for Jay Sternberger?
1: I think so. I think that's fair.
2: Like, I guess my thought process is, if this is a prove it year, you put him on the roster. Like, you want to at least give him some kind of a consistent role because he has to. That's the one thing that he hasn't been able to show is like showing up game in and game out and delivering consistently. He's had flashes here and there, but then there's games where his stat lines are just zero across the board or he barely has any snaps. So I wonder what he looks like if he's actually given consistent snaps.
1: But no, I mean I think and I think we talked about this on Packs What she said before. It's just interesting. Um like you talk about Robert Tunyon kind of had the season that a lot of people thought that Jay Sternberger would have like when you're expecting that type of breakout. And honestly, we may have, you know, kind of talked about this in a previous episode, but if you can get the two of them, they're probably your two best field stretching tight ends on the roster. Like a lot of what Robert Tonian does is what we expected Jay Sternberger to do coming out of college. Josiah yeah. DeGuar is not necessarily a field stretching back. And Dominique Dafty also isn't, obviously, Mercedes Lewis not at this phase of his career. So if you can have two dominant tight ends in, you know, whether it's 22, 12, whatever type of personnel you're using them in,
2: obviously that does really good things for Matt LaFleur's offense. But just, and Matt Lafleur loves his two tight end sets, right? So you create mismatches where, let's say, you have Tunyon, Jace Sternberger, and you got Aaron Jones and Devonte Adams on the field. It's like, what? Who do you co- who do you cover? What What are they right. doing? My point being, though, with Jace is like, I agree, he was probably drafted with the intention of him being a pass catching tight end because the entire Texas A&M offense was just completely like modeled around him and he was their offense. But I think in order for him to be any kind of mismatch, and I guess this is a little bit unfair. Now I'm playing devil's advocate for myself. Is like (laughs) most tight ends aren't going to be your George Kittle, Rob Gronkowski level elite at both things you ask tight ends to do you do have to pick one I just think like in order for the mismatch that we just talked about to be something that defenses respect he's gonna have to catch up in the blocking game
1: yeah and let's if you're okay are you okay to move on from Jace yeah Okay, so flipping it then to another third round pick, I think both of us immediately think of Oren Burks as somebody who, you know, needs to prove himself and earn kind of that roster spot. And Jimmy and I talked about this a little bit today on Pack A Day, but you know, if you look at the production that he's had, he the the Packers didn't do him any favors last season when they kind of said, Oh, maybe we're gonna try him at outside linebacker, maybe he'd be better off the edge, maybe that's a skill set like he's better suited for. Um And he's played like, I think he played 9% of snaps on defense last season. That's it. The, the most, yeah. The most snaps he's played on defense was in 2018. He played 12% of defensive snaps. But then if you flip it, when you talk about what do these players need to do to make the roster, he played 78% of special team snaps. Yeah. So, I mean, that could be like, he he's basically the linchpin of the Maury straight special teams unit at this point. Like that's a lot of snaps to replace. Okay.
2: I agree with you, but you don't draft someone in the 3rd round to play special teams. Right. Okay, so here's my thought process with Oren Burks because I agree this is like it this is this is this is it. Um, because there's Chris Barnes and there's Kamal Martin who even Ty Summers in my mind are ahead of him on the depth oh, chart. Oh yeah. But if you're going to have any year where you need to prove it, I think having Joe Barry in the building who covets and cares so much about inside linebackers. Like this is the year.
1: Yeah. And I mean, even Ty Summers, like you, you just mentioned it. He had skipped Oren Burks on the depth chart. He played 17% of snaps on defense. He was the guy that came in like when Chris Barnes was injured, he's taken snaps as the Mike linebacker. Like, I mean, you can tell that Ty Summers is, doing what he needs to do and that's as a seventh round pick like I would say at this point Ty Summers is almost more of a roster lock than Oren Burks would be which is I agree kind you. of shocking given you know like we're talking about their draft status but Oren Burks has also had three seasons to prove himself and Ty yeah. Summers is going into his third year
2: I think yeah I get draft pedigree but at the same time in my mind once you're drafted everyone's on the same playing field right like you all right. get into the building and you all just have to prove I don't want to say prove your worth, but but prove your worth, you know? Like, it, it doesn't matter if you're a first, a third, a seventh round pick. You're drafted for a reason, and so you can either come in and produce or you can come in and you don't. Um, I Maybe that's not me putting my GM hat on enough and thinking about, like, monetarily and, you know, investment-wise at certain draft, like, levels, what that means, but... I would rather take Ty Summers over Oren Burks right now, and I don't care where they were drafted.
1: Right, and I mean, I think, you know, to kind of further that point, the Packers brought in Devondre Campbell for a reason, and whether it's the lack of depth that they feel they have, like maybe it's a lack of experience, like proven starting talent, like they think Chris Barnes and Kamal Martin can be the guys, but they aren't sure, so they want to bring a vet in. Like all he does is push somebody else further down the depth chart. Like the Packers kept four last season and four of them are currently on the roster now battling for a spot with Devondre Campbell and who is, you know, it would be shocking if he was the guy that the Packers moved on from an inside linebacker. So it definitely just feels like Oren has, I think the toughest hill to climb at this point.
2: Yeah. So before we move on to another player, I actually, so as you know, I've been doing like a decent amount of research into the Joe, both of us have into like what we think Joe Barry is going to bring to this defense. And one of my major question marks still, and it's probably not going to be something that we know until we see them on the field is like what exactly he is going to do at inside linebacker, because it feels like nickel is essentially going to be the base since he covets the star position so much and it'll probably be a safety or a a defensive back who plays that star position so like who's going to be the starter at inside linebacker like my mind right now it's Chris Barnes are they going to have even multiple on the field often enough for it to warrant them keeping more than like three or four inside linebackers even on the roster like that's still a question mark i don't know if you have any idea or an answer but it's just something that i guess i'm i'm gonna look at a lot when we're at training camp and in preseason games
1: yeah and that that does actually kind of segue into like one of the players i wanted to ask you about um is will redmond And it feels like given, you know, that it's basically Adrian Amos and Darnell Savage at this point is like the proven commodities in the safety room. What we know, like we've already seen out of Will Redmond as far as like where he's taken starting snaps. We saw him in some of that star role. Like, do you think that he constitutes being a fringe player? Or do you think that he would be closer to a roster lock at this point, just because there's not a lot of proven talent at the safety position behind the two starters, because he can kind of, I mean, Depending, there's other guys I want to talk about that are a better fit opposite like a Chris Barnes, yeah, in that hybrid safety inside linebacker
2: role, yeah, he's not hybrid, he's, right. He's a strong safety or a free safety. i I think I'm lower on Will Redmond than the Packers are because they brought him back on a contract. They're paying him what? a mill. Yeah, a million a base salary of a million dollars. Um, so that to me is like, why would you bring him back if he wasn't going to make the roster? I also hearing from the people who've been at mini camps and OTAs, um, he was going with the ones in nickel uh, a little bit. So I think that gives me my answer. Um, I think he's more of a lock than, than I personally would if I'm wearing my GM hat (laughs) and I would have chosen.
1: Yeah, and I mean, I think he's an interesting candidate because, you know, the Packers moved on, obviously, from Raven Green. Will Redmond, I know it took a little bit of time, but he did end up returning. They don't know what they have in Vernon Scott. The room's kind of crowded. I mean, you have Henry Black, who is not a proven commodity, Enos Gaines. So there are a bunch of names there, but right now Christian none of them. Uphoff. Right, Christian Uphoff is one of the guys I wanted to talk about. Um, I don't know if you can call him a fringe player because we've seen absolutely nothing from him, but it does. He's an interesting candidate as maybe one of those fringe players who, when we talk about what do they need to do to make the 53, he yeah. could carve out a nice role for himself as like a safety inside linebacker hybrid, because there isn't really somebody outside of maybe Adrian Amos who would fit that role right now for the Joe Barry defense.
2: So interestingly, actually, if all of Redmond's salary is base, he can actually be cut for free. So that's interesting. That actually does change it in my mind. Um, but at this, like, if you're, if I'm looking at straight production, I, I think he's on the fringe. Um, because again, like, you just named a bunch of guys who, if they have a great camp, if they show out in preseason, and they're already like kind of on the radar of coaches, Matt Lafleur, et cetera. I don't think the jump over Will Redman is going to be that difficult. Well, and I was going to
1: say, okay, so I pulled up his stats. Um, he played more on defense than I maybe thought. I guess I don't know what I expected him to play, but he played 33% of defensive snaps and 55% of special team snaps. Mm. So I, I knew he played probably that much special teams. And it feels like cheating to say that this is kind of how – you know, you, you become not a fringe player and you do make the active roster is by special teams. But for a lot of these guys, unless they genuinely become like active starters, this is going to be the tiebreaker. Like a guy like Malik Taylor made the roster last season primarily because of his role on special team. So it's cheating, but it does, you know, play a part.
2: It does. You can't discount it. Cause we always complain about special teams and then we're like, hey, it doesn't matter, but it does. Well, and
1: especially when you have a guy like Devin Funches, who we know won't come in and play a special teams. So let's talk about him actually, like as you know, a player that I think is kind of not, he's not polarizing to fans, but we don't know what he is as a commodity yet. I don't think
2: Devin Funches is a fringe player. Do you? I don't. No,
1: I personally don't. But I mean, I think if you're talking about like, it's a crowded position group and, you know, we talked with Andy on the Packs What She Said live show that we had where, you know, it's Devonte Adams, you know, it's Al Mazzard, you know, it's MVS. So that's three. You know, it's Amari Rogers. that's four. But if the Packers only keep five wide receivers, you know, and, and Aaron Rodgers has talked about in the past, not that he should be making personnel decisions, but he said like, you know, he hypes up a guy like Jay Kumaro and then he gets cut like Aaron Rodgers has hyped up EQ quite a bit. So if there's a fifth roster spot and Devin Funches hasn't caught a pass from Aaron Rodgers, you know, since they've been in the building together. And then EQ is one of Aaron Rodgers, like fun guys that he likes. You know what I mean? Like that's the only way I could see it being so- any type I of thing. My like,
2: thing is that if Aaron Rodgers was in the building and working with the wide receivers and he decided, you know, I have a better connection with EQ. Fine. But Aaron Rodgers isn't in the building, so he doesn't really get to make those decisions in my mind. Right. Um, if you can tell from my tone of voice, starting to get a little annoyed with him. Um, <laughs> that's fair. So that's that's my rebuttal. I mean, I think the Packers didn't have to bring back Devin Funchess. They could have just moved on after this year. Not necessarily the right thing to do, but they could have. But they brought him back on a deal, and he chose to come back. And so I think that's my i don't i don't know why they would then go cut him and granted it's a pretty cheap deal um and he's coming off of like he hasn't played since like mid 2019 right like he's missed like a season and a half if not more so, i mean he
1: got hurt with the colts like his first or second game and then lost oh, really? like the yeah so he's been out almost two almost full two, seasons two full yeah seasons.
2: yeah so i mean yeah like that again I always play devil's advocate with myself. It's you like, do with your own self. <laughs> I know. With the, that's the counter-argument, though, is you know, who knows what he's even gonna look like? Like, can he produce still? I mean, how old is Devin Funches? 20, 20. 27? Yeah. He's I mean, still yeah, 27. So he's not old. Like he's still young. He still could have like plenty of career left in him.
1: Uh, so mm-hmm. let's flip it then, because I guess then a fringe player. If you think that Devin Funchess is a roster lock for, let's even say, like the fifth spot is EQ, like what is the sixth wide receiver? Do they keep six wide receivers? Could it? No. You you think? Okay, let's talk about it. Talk about it. Okay.
2: <laughs> um. Yeah, I think EQ's role on this team is in jeopardy. Okay. I think. I agree. There's a couple of reasons one of which you just mentioned, which is I highly doubt the Packers keep more than five. And the first four to me are locks. Devonte Lazard, Amari Rogers, and MBS not going anywhere. Um, right. Devin Funches, I wouldn't call him a lock, but he feels more like a lock than EQ does. And it's not, like, again, it's not, I'm not trying to, like, knock the person. You're just looking at productivity versus time on the team. And EQ has been plagued with injuries when he does play. He hasn't shown up a ton. I think his rookie season, he looked better than MBS did. And he certainly, like you mentioned, had a connection with Rogers, but that's now been like a season and a half since he's like meaningfully produced. And I don't think he really plays much special teams. So like, what is your, th- th- those are my questions to me. How long have you been on the team? What have you actually contributed and what is the role you've carved out for yourself? Like those are the three questions that I ask myself when looking at these fringe players. And I don't really, the answers about EQ like don't stack up to someone who is a lock to make this team.
1: Yeah. I mean, EQ to me is like in a similar, maybe not because he wasn't drafted as high, but it's kind of like Jay Sternberger where he had a, he had some good looks his 2018 season, which of course was not a good season for the Packers. And then his 2019 season was entirely lost to injury. Then he comes back in 2020 and he still got like some nagging injury stuff. And then he's like relegated to the very bottom of the depth chart where it's really hard to climb out of. And, you know, he did play some special teams. He played like 10% of special team snaps this past season, but... When he was a rookie, he played 33% of snaps on offense, which maybe doesn't seem like a lot, but he started seven games. Yeah, And then yeah. – no, yeah. go ahead.
2: No, I was going to say, if you're going off of also one of your arguments, which is, like, what's the draft pedigree, it's low enough for the Packers to move on from him. Right. That yeah.
1: yeah. So, I don't know. I, I think if I had to put money down at this point, it would be that he doesn't make the roster. But I
2: – so – That's crazy, though, still. Like – I'm saying it, and I agree with you, but it's also kind of wild. Well, because okay, so
1: and this this doesn't really tie into the fringe thing, I guess, but we're looking at four tight ends to start the season because of no Jace. Running backs is a question mark, three or four. They kept four to start last season. I think four. I, I think Patrick Taylor and Kylan Hill both make the roster. Um, but yeah, then then what does wide receiver look like? You know, like Tim. Yeah, I, yeah. I think it's five. It's it's been six. It's been as much as seven. But I think I think this year, given the depth at tight end, it's five.
2: I think there's enough practice squad level players on in the wide receiver group for them to bring back five on the active roster and pull up like a Jawan Winfrey if need be. Malik Taylor. Yeah. Yeah. Juggleton. Any one of those.
1: Bailey Gaither could be a fringe player. I'm just kidding. Uh,
2: Any other players that come to mind for you when you like think of this sort of fringe roster spot. Yeah.
1: And you talked about it a little bit before we, right before we went live, but I'm saying he makes the roster solely because I don't think there's enough depth at the position, but Tyler Lancaster. Yeah. Is like a. I was gonna say big one, like metaphorically and physically. But yes, he's. Ha
2: uh-huh. <laughs> Yeah, uh, I agree. Um, I think depth-wise, they need him. Um, also, could be like a mid-season move on from right. Like, let's say TJ Slayton shows up, Kingsley Kiki show up you know, then we got Dean Lowry and Kenny. Do you need Tyler Lancaster if those other guys further down the depth chart are taking those snaps?
1: Well, and I know, like, I mean, you can't really compare, like, the talent level, but the Packers just released Anthony Rush a couple weeks ago to make room for, it might have been Devondre Campbell, but, you know, they, they already didn't have a ton of depth in the room. So like they had Jack Heflin who came in as an undrafted free agent. And then the only other roster holdover outside of Anthony Rush was Willington Prevalon. So it's like, they must feel at least comfortable with some of the guys that are in there now, if they don't need like additional competition. And obviously Kenny Clark just got his massive payday. You know who he is and what he can be had a little bit of an injury misfortune last season. So you're hoping that he is healthy. Um, but yeah, I mean, beyond him, like, I think that's why Dean Lowry restructured and they didn't move on entirely from him. Kingsley Kiki, we've seen what he can do, like his two sack performance against the Saints. Like he has flashes, but as a whole, I think that the room primarily is made up more of pass rushers than run stuffers, which is where TJ yeah. Slayton and Tyler Lancaster can kind of make their, make their statements Is you know, Dean Lowry's not going to stuff the run as easily as Tyler Lancaster.
2: Nobody will sack you if he goes unblocked. <laughs> there you go. Um, yep. Well, this was an interesting combo. Um, definitely, I think us like gearing up for what we want to see in training camp when we're up there in August. And um, besides watching the stars do their thing, I think these players will be we'll have our eye on because some of these i think a lot of like roster building is these tough conversations of filling out these fringe players and choosing wisely on potentially like projecting if they're going to contribute at all in like a meaningful way and when you have crowded rooms like the wide receiver room for example you know deciding between Devin Funches and an EQ can actually end up being a really, really big decision in the long run. So it'll be interesting to see what coach and what good do.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, and maybe this is just us like projecting, but it always feels like even like when we make our own like mock 53s, like the 48, 49, it's pretty easy to figure out like, you know, who the key contributors are. A lot of times you can look either through free agency, the draft, or like players that were key contributors last season. But a lot of the players we listed, like Oren Burks, he's only kind of stuck around because of his draft pedigree and not necessarily the production that you saw on the field. So I think some of those spots who likely might not even be active on game day are the ones that you take a swing at where it's like the projection of what their upside could be yeah. and not what they've already seen on the field, which is why yeah. preseason matters so much to some of these guys. I know. Um, this was fun.
2: This was fun. Yeah. All right. As always, um, follow us on Twitter at Perry underscore Goldstein at Maggie J. Loney. Follow the podcast at PWSS podcast on Twitter. Pax, what she said on Instagram. You can follow us at Pax, what she said on Twitch. Um, <laughs> you will find us. What, what do we have coming up? We have our live show in July. Um, Perry will be at the beach. So it will be an interesting background scenario for us there. Um, we are going to be doing something special with a bunch of Packers blogospherers. Did I just turn that into? <laughs> you
1: tried to make it a thing. I don't know what that was. But- we
2: are um, uh, mid July and then we will be up for training camp in August. So lots of exciting stuff coming down the pipeline and get ready for it all. Yeah,
1: and catch us at the home opener that we're planning to be at week yes. 1 or week 2 against week the Lions two against
2: the Lions Monday night. So as always, go go pack. Pack go. <laughs>